1: What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Alex Croson, and I am sitting across from the man, the legend, Casey Clapp.
2: Everyone, sit down, sit down, sit down. It's okay. It's wow. okay. I'm only coming at you through your ears. It's not quite that exciting, but thank you. I am Casey Clapp. I I do love trees, other related topics, such things, cycling.
1: hmm a standing O, our first standing O. Casey. Incredible.
2: Just just it's incredible.
1: Speaking of firsts, we have a first order of business. Yes, we do. Begin. Please raise your cans. Ha That's right. Casey and I have just cracked into two Dr. Mm. Brown's draft style root beers. Since
2: eighteen sixty nine.
1: That's right. This is not an ad, but Casey, let's take a little
2: sip of this bad boy. That's delicious. Can I tell you a secret? It's good root beer. What? When I was younger, I did not like root beer. Didn't like it, not yeah, even a little bit. Thought sure. it tasted bad, thought it tasted un nice. Yeah. One of my old co-workers, she um uh, she's from Brazil and that is the flavor of their toothpaste. Wow. So, yeah. So whenever anyone would have uh root beer, she'd be like, "I can't do it. It makes me feel like I'm drinking uh like toothpaste."
1: This is interesting. Maybe I heard this from you, but And maybe I'm conflating a couple stories, but someone had told me once that some drink that we drink as Americans Uh uh, is what another country uses to, like, perfume their bathrooms. Oh, my God. Like, they put them in urinal cakes and stuff. (laughs) So every time they drink that thing, or they wouldn't drink that thing because it tasted (laughs) like a urinal.
2: Oh, man, I have no clue, but that would be, that's hilarious.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of instances. Yeah. And and Casey, we are, of course, cracking open these root beers on theme, as today... We are talking about... The soda industry. <laughs> I, well, you started the right way. Yeah, I guess. The sassafras tree.
2: That's exactly correct, Alex. But, I'm very excited about Which it. is, of
1: course, related to the soda industry as yes. sassafras used to be and I guess maybe sometimes is still the active ingredient in your root beers and such.
2: Yes, that is correct. At least it was, I mean, it was, it was used and still, in fact, I think there are still some people that like still do it, like... They'll just go find some root and then go make it, which, of course, we'll talk about in a second. But yeah. it's uh, Yeah. It's, I think it's still used, used to be used, is less used now for certain reasons. Um, a little bit is like the standard cola flavor, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that comes from a cola bean, which is from a tree that grows in the tropics. However, we don't use it anymore because you can just artificially create the same flavors. Right. Kind of a bummer.
1: Yeah. I mean that that's sort of that's sort of your high fructose corn syrup story. It
2: is, isn't it? Like just so sad. And like what uh, caramel coloring.
1: Yeah, I believe this soda has both of those. <laughs> yeah, it,
2: it sure does. Yep. Well, um, there's a yep. Both right, they're like the third ingredients.
1: Well, Casey, let's talk about this darn tree. Fascinating. The sas uh, the sarsaparilla, the sassafras, and the binomial for this for this bad boy. Oh, it's so
2: good. Sassafras albitum.
1: Albitum.
2: albidum. Albidum. A l b i d u m. All right. Now. now Sir. Go ahead. Wow. Now, I was just going to say, now I love this tree because of its scientific name, the genus, and the, the common name, the same. Yeah. Like Magnolia, almost like Pinus, but not quite.
1: We love that here.
2: Don't we? It's because we like it to be easy. That's right.
1: Casey, let's imagine that you and I, like every episode, are walking through... I don't know, a forest of some kind? Yeah, the eastern forest of the United States of America. The eastern forest. North
2: America in general.
1: Okay. And we come across some very clear, distinct sassafras trees, very easy to ID IMO. Uh-huh. And I ask you, please, Casey...
2: I.D. this tree. Yeah, then I then we move a big bus, and I'm like, here's a sassafras yeah. tree. Yeah, I don't really move buses. All right, you're walking through the forest. It's an eastern deciduous forest of the United States of America. Um, the sassafras is, is, like, native from Maine and Ontario all the way down to Florida and Texas, all the way over to, essentially, the Mississippi and the Atlantic. Mm. That entire section of North America essentially what would have been known as like the original size of the country before the Louisiana Purchase, before we went west and took it over. That was the whole country. So this is like a a countrywide tree. Of many, there are several other species. Um, But in our eastern deciduous forest, there's not necessarily, usually, a single forest tree that is dominant all over the place. So here we have the Douglas fir or a ponderosa pine or something like that. Over there, it's a gigantic mix of a bunch of different broadleaf trees. Sometimes there's pine trees, but mostly it's broadleaf. Okay. So this is one of them broadleaf trees. It is a, a tall forest tree, maybe up to uh, about sixty feet tall. It doesn't get huge, but like big enough to hang out. That's pretty big. It's a good sized tree. It doesn't get really wide, um, otherwise, but like uh, an oak tree or a walnut or any of these other like big famous like you know the big hitters of the eastern forest. Yeah, those trees will be gigantic, dominant things forever. The sassafras tree, it's medium size. It'll sure. grow up. It'll hang with the big boys, but then it'll like find a little side bit. And it's just kind of hang out, you know, on that edge habitat where maybe there's a river or um, a road or something like that. It's not going to be found in the big deep, dark forests after an extended period of time because it just gets shaded out. I see. It gets out-competed. But on that edge habitat, you'll find them kind of persisting or you'll find them in little groves where they happen to find a little bit where there's like, cool, there's a little sassafras here and there's no, uh, there's there's it's just cooking. And the whole rest of the forest hasn't gotten so big that it's overtaken it. You said 60 feet? Yeah, about.
1: Okay, that's about on the high end of like my interest in trees. Yeah,
2: exactly. You can just see the top of it. Yeah, that's you the, specifically, and that would
1: be like nice and big for yeah. me. Like that's uh, the beech tree out here uh-huh. on, on that we we constantly talk about because it's,
2: it's constantly it's the most beautiful tree right now. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just turning spectacular colors.
1: That's a that's probably a, about sixty feet. Don't you
2: think? I'd say so. It might be about seventy five in there. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. it's it's about there.
1: And when I look at that, I'm like, wow, that's a proper it's huge. tree. Huge. Yeah, yeah that's, that's
2: a great turn for it so the sassafras tree it's not always going to be a gigantic big old thing okay um however it has some really special things to it it grows up usually single stemmed it's a as you said a proper tree there's no shrub like qualities to it okay it'll grow up and it will have um a very kind of um weird shape like you know you see a tree it has a perfectly straight trunk it breaks out perfectly like Mm -hmm. a classic like norway maple or a hedge maple or something like this yeah got that perfect tree, like a kid could draw it kind of tree. Wow. The sassafras oh, okay. does not have that. I see. <laughs> the sassafras grows up, it kind of will generally have a, a crooked-ish kind of trunk, and but not. it'll grow be like a straight crooked trunk, where it's never going to be like a perfect pencil growing straight up. Uh-huh. It'll kind of curve around a little bit as oh. it's going up. And then it'll usually break off into multiple stems and multiple big scaffold limbs, and it will have an upright, bell-shaped kind of look to it, oh. where it's not going to be the this big, gigantic, perfect circle or oblong thing, or like a vase shape, where it's very uniform, it'll be kind of an ununiform, upright, not huge, vertical, mostly looking tree.
1: Is this the first time you've used bell shape to describe the overall morpholo- m- morphology of yeah, a tree?
2: I think this is the first time I've used that in the morphology of a tree in my life.
1: Can I say you may? That's a perfect descriptor.
2: Well, you think so? Yeah, we've wow. we've
1: we've gone through a couple with these with these shapes of trees. Yeah, okay, bell shaped. Needs to go in a paper somewhere as a as an ID distinction. You are so sweet to say so. Sassafras is 100% a bell-shaped tree.
2: I I I'm glad you think it. There's there's the book that I'm looking at right now and it looks like um the hair from the guitarist of Queen. What's his name? Brian May. Oh yeah. His famously gigantic like huge perm. <laughs> this this like drawing looks just like him. Let me see
1: that. Let me see that. Hold that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah.
2: Now just imagine oh, a, yeah. a British guitarist underneath oh, that okay. crown. okay. Yes. 100%. <laughs> yeah.
1: Wow, his hair, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, Casey, I'm really interested to hear about. I want to save. I want to save a couple things for last. Okay. But let's let's talk bark.
2: Okay, bark. Oh, actually, I'm so glad you said this. Okay. So the last little bit is that the uh, um, the it, it grows to be kind of like a, you know one single stem. The bark in the 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 trunk tends to get I don't know 12 inches in diameter. Like it, a big old one is going to slowly get large. But you know, like the beech tree, you see beech tree with 24 inch diameter. Yeah. It's pretty medium-sized beech tree you see a uh, sassafras with a 24 inch diameter stem you're like that's a huge that's a in- huge sassafras yeah so this little thing um as it gets bigger its bark is j- fucking stunning i can't say that i usually don't don't go so intense about things that's <laughs> wow a, I, yeah, you know, I didn't even <laughs> you know how, how some people are like fucking huge yeah it's kind of what i was like it's like "Ah, i can't do it i'm gonna do it was that your first f-bomb on the podcast oh no plenty i just i know that my mom's listening she's always (laughs) gonna be so upset love you wow your parents (laughs) listen to the podcast that's cool (laughs) (laughs) well as it works out the bark of the sassafras tree is like it it gets really ridged not furrowed but like ridged as it's like you're pulling it apart from the inside out Mm. but the outside um, and I can give anyone in Portland, go to the Hoyt Arboretum, Google real faster, look up on their their uh, website where the uh, sassafras are, then you're going to go walk down you're going to find them. You'll know when you see them because their bark is like ripping apart, but it has like this perfectly uh, polished like dark brown, purplish bark on hmm. the outside. So that polished bark on the outside on the very top of those ridges, and then these really big, thick ridges um, in between. Wow. so I, I can't really describe. It looks like armor. But it has like this really gorgeous reddish sheen to it. Wow! And it's hard to see. Like I'm I'm looking at a bunch of Google images, and it just not does not do it justice. Not even a little bit.
1: Okay, yeah, I, I'm not getting any of that from these yeah. pictures. That
2: I will go take a picture at the arboretum, uh, and then I will I will show you what this looks like because they are. It's just it's beautiful. Great, like it, it looks like it's it's show it's a showstopper. Wow! So that's what the bark looks like. Um, these ridges they're probably about you know half an inch or more wide. They look like they're played on top of the ridges with this really darkly colored bark it's really hard and it's very very like armor like Hmm. so that's that um it grows up it gets big it has that kind of bark all the way through it at the very tip of the branches you have these alternately arranged leaves that come out these leaves are super interesting for one specific reason they are extremely variable
1: extremely variable
2: yes they can oh, change yes okay. so on the same tree on the same branch you can have an entire leaf that is shaped very much like a closed palm of your hand with your thumb tucked in yeah so it has that perfect like leaf shape where it just comes up oblong ovate whoop comes out yeah you look a little bit further down that twig and you'll see one that looks like a mitten with a thumb coming out. Yeah. So it has one side is that perfect same entire margin. Then the other side will go down and then have this big fancy lobe that comes out like a thumb. single lobe. Yeah, one single lobe. Further down on that same stem Mm. you'll see one that has another lobe on the other side and it'll have this trident look. Mm. Like this rounded off trident like the kind of trident you'd give to a kid when you don't want him to actually poke someone's eye out.
1: I think we've called that dinosaur footprint.
2: That's exactly it. I believe that's the term. Which will also appear in a paper somewhere as the perfect descriptor for this tree. Yeah. Or for a tree, period. So that's what the leaves look like. And they're so interesting because if you want to do an ID characteristic, you're like, wow, this bark is so stunning. I feel like I want to hug it for days. This tree's medium size. It's got a bell shape. Could this be a sassafras? find those leaves, blub, bloop, 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 those three different things, and you'll know.
1: Okay, those are the three, the only three variations? Like, it couldn't grow, like, a fourth lobe or no. something? Okay. At least,
2: I mean, p- potentially it could, you Maybe know? Maybe somewhere
1: deep in the forest right yeah. now there is a four-lobe sassafras. Very,
2: very possibly. Okay. But who knows? Um, in this case, uh, or usually, I guess, you'll always find it with a two, zero, or three. Casey, I see that the sassafras also
1: sports... What I would characterize as an underwhelming flower.
2: I think that's pretty that's pretty reasonable. Underwhelming. It's in the laurel family, so it's just kinda of got this weird little blah blah. Yeah. It doesn't do a whole lot. It kinda of ends at the end of the at the end of the twig. I don't think it's very um very smelly actually. I'm not sure oh. about that. I, I've never read too many things that have said that they are really um like super smelly. But I've never smelled them. Most of the time, I just see that there is um, some flowers up like in the early spring and then they kind of move on. I'm just taken by the bark. That's yeah, all I see.
1: Sure. They're also, the flowers are also sort of like, <clears throat> sort of monochrome.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, just kinda not, like yellow cream.
1: Yeah. They're not like not really, they're not really yeah. colorful. It's a nice color, but it is sort of like a pale. I don't know, sickly yellow.
2: Yeah, it doesn't really do a lot for me. Yeah, neither. Yeah, me so, oh well, it is di- mostly dioecious though. So they usually have a, a female and male tree, two oh. houses. This means dioecious. Yes. Um, separate plants, and uh, yeah, usually that's hey, that's it. So like the fruit, man, yeah, it's not very, it's not very interesting. They get a shiny black ovid uh, little um, little cup thing in the laurel family. Yeah, fruit's nothing special.
1: Yeah, it's so so. Yeah. But Casey, what is something special? Is what we'll be talking about after the break. That's exactly right. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. I'm going to take a drink of my root beer. Cheers, my friend.
0: VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking sassafras. Scientific name:
2: sassafras Ed- edibles? Albidum,
1: Albidum. I'm
2: glad they didn't keep the edible in there. Yeah, I knew it wasn't. <laughs> that oh, wouldn't have been good. What a great
1: segue, Casey. Thank you, thank you, Casey. Let's talk sassafras.
2: Yeah. All right. So this is um, just a, a a classic tree. This, you know, like. Um, I don't know. It it honestly comes out to be a little racist I think at the end of the day. But you know um the old Disney uh sh- what is it? Like Song of the South I think it is.
1: I'm really I'm really worried about where this is going. Oh,
2: don't worry about it. Okay, no, no, no. yes, it's, I know of
1: The Song of the South.
2: So, The Song of the South, so anyone who's never been in the South, like the was it Splash Mountain is the the show or the um uh did ride in disney yes. world like uh-huh. that that whole thing is themed the south right this tree if i so before anyone or before i had ever been to the south that was my entire like oh that's what the south used to be like like but down 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 like frogs fishing and like all this kind of stuff yeah. like super down home south right and it is like that except you know like i said disney has a less than uh savory uh view of the world Back then, for sure. They've really made up a lot of ground, so kudos to them. So, not to uh, conflate the sassafras with with that, but the sassafras (sighs) is, to me, the quintessentially southern tree. Okay. And and I don't think other people would necessarily agree with me, i.e. people from the south who are like, the sassafras, no. But historically, it has been.
1: Would you say that the sassafras is more southern than the sugar maple? I
2: think so. I do think so wow. because the sugar maple doesn't even grow south of the Mason Dixon. All road. right.
1: All right. Well, we have a difference of opinion on that. <laughs>
2: Now, 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 now. Tell me,
1: Alex. <laughs> My opinion is that the sugar maple grows in the south.
2: Anywho, um, so it's it has like um, so a is like root beer, like the classic kind of like you dig up the root, you brew it into something, you have this drink, just like you know, tea is indicative of the South to this day. Yeah. So this is like the classic sweet, spicy scent, as they call it, and like root beer because they made root beer out of it. Like the very first thing, they called it sarsaparilla. Right. And it was just this classic um, this classic drink. And not only that, it was used for thousands of years by the native peoples in this area. In fact, they are not sure if it was the Spanish that named it sassafras or if it was actually from a Native American word that was extremely close to it, and it just kind of got changed a little bit, just with oh. lost in translation over it you know, a couple hundred years. Interesting. And so because of that, it has like a, um this, like, this appeal or this like historicity with it that I think is so fascinating, where it's just this one tree that had this one spiciness to it, kind of like, you know, the Spice Islands, they're like famous for these very specific spicy trees, and mm-hmm. like, it kind of has become a part of this sort of, uh, yeah, je ne sais quoi of an area, maybe? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but that's just what I think of um, whenever I think of the sassafras, because it is um, it was used initially, which is kind of what we want to talk about a little bit today, mm-hmm. as a medicinal plant. Right. And back then, they would dig up the roots, and we, as humans, before we really like looked into things too too specifically, um, if there was a a spice of some kind or a um, a plant that did something that was weird you know we could eat it didn't do anything it nourished us great there's food if it did something weird made us feel weird had a weird smell to it gave us a rash it had some other kind of thing it would be seen almost as medicinal but also like powerful so the plant would give you a rash you're like whoa that plant is is a that's a that's a Spiritual plant, like it's I got see. something going on.
1: Yeah, of course. And
2: we would see it as that. And I mean, the whole world, like this, is not just a um, a Native American thing or from you know Africa or from Europe. It yeah. was across the world. The indigenous plants and the indigenous people, they looked at plants as food and medicine mm-hmm. and everything. And so if it did something and it had this weird, you know, you dig the roots of a sassafras, they smelled really interesting. You could drink and it had this really sweet, delicious, spicy taste. Then they would say, wow, this is, you know, this probably has some medicinal purpose.
1: And of course there, uh, there are, there is still a culture of food as medicine.
2: Oh, hundred percent.
1: Which I feel like people are sort of, uh, you know, uh, of, of, of course, some groups of people have been practicing this continually up until this day. Oh yeah. But I feel like a lot of people like myself, are turning, starting to turn away from what I would, I guess, you would call Western medicine.
2: Yeah, where it's like, oh, it was like chemistry,
1: Med- medications, yeah. and you know, pills and, and stuff, and turning toward, oh, let's take a look at the food I'm eating and the things I'm drinking. Yeah, uh, which of these are bothering me, and which of which of what's something that I'm not ingesting that could help me in some way,
2: Alex? That's so exactly right. Yeah, I'm happy you brought that up because there's a lot of people who have even said, um, in order to get certain bacteria. Like, why do kids eat dirt? Like, literally, it seems completely silly. And some people have uh, surmised that they're actually getting a certain kind of bacteria Mm -hmm. in their gut that then becomes a part of their gut biome that then allows them to digest things. Because we, like so many quotes right now, like people, we don't technically digest our food. There's bacteria and all these other different organisms that are doing the digesting for us, and then we are taking the carbohydrates to kind of put off. It's obviously a... Uh, symbiotic relationship so you can just argue yes it is us again these big air quotes yeah Um,
1: kids eat dirt for the same reason that uh baby koalas eat shit
2: yeah exactly those cuties they gotta get those microbes (laughs) i'm so glad you brought that up (laughs) so yeah so what you're saying is that people should actually just eat the shit of other people in order to get the proper bacteria in their gut
1: finally we get to it this is what this whole thing has been about
2: so we get these uh the idea of food as medicine alex is so so accurate and especially when That's all you did. Like you didn't have you had like these you know uh, medicine people in your uh, in your your tribe or in Mm. your clan or in your area that would know plants. I mean, in Europe it was the druids. You know, they were kind of these witch doctors. That's how they're perceived or shown today. But the idea is that they know. You know, okay, this plant works for this. This plant works for this. And did you know? um, They used to think if the there would be a plant that grows near the area. That, are in the same space, what am I trying to think of? Oh gosh, um, if there's, if you get God, whoever mm-hmm. had put on this planet a specific plant that would cure something that's from that specific area that the plant grows in. Okay. Or like uh, people used, to, if you walk through um, stinging nettles, mm-hmm. there's a jewelweed that grows in the same area as the stinging nettle. So the assumption is, well i walk through i'm going to take some of this jewel weed that grows right next to the nettle and rub it on and it will help soothe the stinging nettle it turns out that's the case okay and so everyone's like yeah that's right and they used to think that that would be the 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 kind of thing so if a disease came from place a then you could find a plant in place a that helped to cure or to treat that disease uh okay does that make sense
1: S- yeah so uh, uh- from nature's perspective what's happening there
2: um from nature's perspective a coincidence just happened oh (laughs) that's literally it it's not yeah that was the uh that was the kind of hope you know that's what everyone kind of was thinking was the case i see um i thought that was
1: just a rule like a real scientific rule
2: god that would be so good wouldn't it like oh man i got malaria down here so i'm gonna go into the forest i'm gonna go find the cure for malaria oh there it is it's in the same place and like give you a place to look yeah yeah no it's not that case all
1: right well yeah i thought uh, i would was going to be pretty big breaking news if yeah, that right? was the case. Yeah, God.
2: I wish I could. But yeah, this is um, like sassafras, leaves, roots, and bark. They've all been used for uh, medicinally, like, throughout a huge amount of time. Yeah. And we didn't necessarily eat them as food. It was like a medicinal thing, strictly. Like, you wouldn't go out and collect them and nom, 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 nom. Yeah. Um, but, like, from everything from kidney problems and scurvy, skin sores, toothaches, rheumatism, swelling, menstrual disorders, and sexually transmitted disease, bronchitis, mm. you name it, like, it was just used for it as a fungicide, a, a dentrifrice rubifescent, Rubifrescent. God, I got that right the first time. Good nice for me. Nice job. Diaphoretic, perfume, carminative. You remember carminatives?
1: Carminative.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I know the word. What does it do? It puts you on the very
2: lowest level of the chart chart. Okay. Yeah.
1: Keeps you, uh, keeps your flatulence down. <laughs> Level zero on the chart chart. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right, yeah, right, it, it helps right. with
2: flatulence. Okay,
1: so is there a theme here for what the sassafras does? Is no, there the, one master category.
2: they everything. It was like a, it was a wonder drug. Wow, so much of a wonder drug that they actually sent it over to Europe um, because they found it in you know in the North America and they said, hey, wow, this is amazing. So it said that it would cure almost any illness when they brought it over from. America, United States over to, or North America over to um, Europe, specifically England. They brought it over there and they would use it for everything. And they would like say, oh, this and that. You can do so many cool things. It's a super, it's a super drug. It's the chia, chia seed of, of yeah. yesteryear kind of thing.
1: It sounds like you could put it in the same hall of fame as like uh, the Salix family. Yeah, the kind of, right? excuse
2: it, me. Mm, yeah, which is good. I mean, you can also do Salisaceae, the family. Sure. I'll give you credit.
1: But, you know, like, uh, willow was like a uh, fucking gold mine as far as medicinal yeah, uh, purposes.
2: It was a gold mine. Everyone loved it. And then um, slowly but surely, we, like, completely destroyed all the trees. Mm, good. We, yeah, we cut them all down and sent them over to Europe or used them in the, at the time, the colonies of the early United States. Sassafras. Sassafras. yeah. Okay. So it was almost gone. We had also cut down all their forests and turned them into farms and things like that. Yeah. So it was like, well, this is really great. We ended up using it not only for that, but also to, um, I think it's called a filet, uh, gumbo filet. You take dried sassafras roots and you ground it into a powder mm. and it thickens gumbo. Oh, sure. Yeah, which is, you know, it's supposed to be very good. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to say, like, it says uh, the Choctaw Indians taught the French to do this, which is pretty cool. Like, just grind up these leaves and that was the term they use is like file or filet or fly. File. I don't know exactly the pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they would add it to these things and, like, really thicken them up. so it was Okay, it was used just about everywhere for everything, you know, kind of like a uh, roux. It, yeah. Well, wait, a roux, huh?
1: Yeah, a roux is a th- a soup th- soup thickening uh, agent. Huh. It's you, you mix flour and butter. Yeah, and dar- and make it into the color you want. And the darker the roux, the thicker it'll make the thing. Oh,
0: you
2: yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and th- so spe- it's not, but it's wait, it sounds like yeah, <laughs> thick- similar. And, it it does the thick- same thing? thing. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I thought it sounded exactly the same. Well, Alex, it turns out that um, in the regard of like, oh well, we found this disease from here, and we got to find a place to treat it. The, the like the creme de la creme of that for the sassafras tree. Uh huh is that um, as soon as they brought brought it over from the United States or from North America over to England, at the time in London there was a huge syphilis outbreak. Wow. And they had at the time thought that syphilis um, came from the United States. Hmm. And then then all of a sudden they had this fantastic wonder drug coming in from the United States. They said, wow, okay, so let's treat syphilis with sassafras. It's going to be great. And guess what happened?
1: Uh, it made it worse.
2: It did absolutely nothing.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: So maybe not as bad as making it worse, but everyone would just be <laughs> treating their syphilis by just taking tincture of sassafras, and then they're like I'm feeling better, and then turns out a no, they weren't. Yeah. And, and b they were actually probably making themselves a little bit worse. How so? It turns out that sassafras is not only a good, deliciously smelling sweet thing; mm-hmm. it also has an oil in it, which is called saff oil, I believe. Oh yes, or, or rather, I'm sorry, saffrole. s a f r o l e Saffrole. Yeah. Saffrole. Okay. Saffron. And not to be confused with saffron, very different. Oh yeah! But did you know that saffron is actually just the uh, the stamen of the little little plant called the crocus? Casey, I did know so this. You're, you're brilliant. <laughs> My God, how much? That's what you know. Why it's so expensive? Because there's someone with like tweezers yes. picking out these tiny flower parts.
1: <laughs> it's insane. Man, I
2: just think that's so funny. Yeah. It turns out saffron did two things. One, it was carcinogenic, and it would end up mm. just giving you cancer. So you're taking it to treat your uh, your. Uh, cancer, I'm not your cancer, your syphilis, and then it turns out, no, you're actually just kind of slowly giving yourself cancer. Wow. So that's not good. Bummer. It turns out that uh, Saffron also Mm -hmm. is a component in the the drug MDMA.
1: Wow.
2: Which is an amphetamine.
1: Colloquially molly? Is Uh, that the same thing?
2: No, I think they're different. Okay. Maybe. I don't know.
1: I'm such a square. I don't don't have any clue.
2: Should figure this out. If anyone's out there... uh, add us or something actually you know what don't add us uh, yeah, i don't, don't want to i don't want to get put on any lists here a list yeah. oh but yeah so that is uh that's that's you know a little bit too bad so it also like probably caused more damage to your liver and more damage to your kidneys than any positive benefit that you could get to solve your syphilis or anything else like that
1: that makes you think casey i, I mean like you know through th- we've talked about before like with uh-huh. th- the, the first person to eat the mushroom yeah right you know the first person to try saffron for their fi- syphilis or the first person to to use this carcinogen to treat this first thing first of a fashion yeah i mean then and then it catches on and then and then suddenly everybody's giving their- stuff i'm like i wonder what right now is happening is it yeah. is it gwyneth paltrow's goop
2: oh it surely has to be All yeah right. where she's just like hey eat the sassafras tree
1: yeah and It'll make your face clear. It's actually killing your liver.
2: Slowly but positively. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. But so the fun thing about this and that I you brought it up kind of earlier, which is the idea of folk medicine or folk um, like food as medicine, mm-hmm. where at a time before you know the quote modern science, food was just medicine, medicine was food, right. or the the distinction between the two was really minimal. It's like oh well, go go grab this leaf, this leaf, and the root of this thing. We're gonna make a tea we're going to give it to you and it's going to soothe your rheumatism Mm -hmm. or something so that's totally great um then slowly but surely we took those those individual things that they would use that leaf that leaf that root we'd measure them and say oh in this root it has this compound this one has this compound this one has this compound then we'd use chemistry and create the next drug that does that you also brought up salix salicylic acid salicylic acid i think we said that wrong if i remember correctly i think
1: you just said it correctly no
2: salicylic 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 Salicylic. 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 Anyway, that kind of acid from that tree, uh-huh. the tree acid of the willow, that is now what we used for the... Uh, it was the base molecule. Now we artificially make it for aspirin. That's right. So in the regard for, um, for this, like you have these native um, uses that everywhere in the entire world, every population that was indigenous with an indigenous flora found these plants that did these certain things. Whether or not they actually worked sometimes it's completely irrelevant you know how the mind and the body work yeah i could be someone that you trust so thoroughly and i'd say drink this tea it will make you feel better Mm -hmm. you drink it and you're just so like yes i'm gonna feel better you feel better because your mind makes you feel better and then your body helps to heal itself right that's super powerful it's just now where there's so many questions it doesn't work quite as well because you you, there's so much distrust yeah
1: there's a level of physiological uh uh advantage to, to believing that something will work yeah, or trusting it, yeah. that something will work. Now,
2: you cannot believe and will yourself to take sassafras tea and solve your syphilis. Please go see a doctor. <laughs> but um, that is kind of, there, there's two trajectories. One is the one we just talked about where they find these, they mean you know, modern scientists, they find these compounds and they exploit them for exactly what they are make the, specifically, you don't need to eat this leaf anymore, just take this compound that has the extract that we've made from this leaf. Yeah. The other way is that you find that it's actually really, really, really bad for you. And it's like, Yeah, here, just take a little bit of cocaine. It'll help you during your pregnancy, ma'am. Right. Also smoke these cigarettes <laughs> to keep you nice and calm.
1: To keep your baby <laughs> nice and thin.
2: Yeah. So it's like, you know, now we're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't prescribe cigarettes to, you know, solve your PTSD. Yeah. You know? Or the uh um like it used to be, yeah, just take a little bit of uh, of of um opium, opium, to just take the edge off a little bit, you know, like these kinds of drugs that used to be like opiums from a very specific tea that they would make from the, uh, whatever those, from poppies. So it's like that was a thing and it was what they did, but they would do it like from the plant without making it so highly concentrated where it would just be something like aspirin that would just make you feel a little bit better. You wouldn't necessarily get addicted to it because you would have in such small amounts and it would be like this very specialized thing that, you know, two hundred uh, or two thousand years ago it would just be this tea tincture that some medicine person would give you yeah and because it's also
1: not like synthesized and pure yeah exactly that comes with other things that are in that plant yeah that might the, help yeah. you know balance the
2: yeah it's exactly. it's kind of like sugar people are like well what's the difference between eating you know uh, a really sugary full orange or apple or something like that or banana mm-hmm. versus the juice or the other you know very specific sugary thing and everyone's like well it's actually like the the amount of fiber that you have in right. it and all these other compounds that either do this or do that and then all together are literally more than the whole yes I think um, uh, Michael Pollan's in defense of plants talks about this specifically mm. where scientists have done research on this and they're like yeah we can't really even quantify why it's better to eat an apple than drink an Apple juice,
1: right? A, uh, a eating an orange will always be better for you than taking a vitamin D tablet.
2: Yes, exactly. Or is it C? Vitamin uh, C. C, probably both. Honestly, oh, there you go. Yeah. Anywho, so with the sassafras, it unfortunately has gone down just a little bit the wrong direction. Yeah. You can get the safrole, out. I believe there's a chemical way that you can um, uh, take it out from the plants, oh, wow. from the root, uh, and this is specifically from the root. If you have a you know, if you're hanging around and if you chew on a leaf for for whatever reason, you're gonna be fine yeah so with the uh the sad trajectory now it's like well it's an mdma you know no one wants that around or whoever doesn't want it doesn't want it and then also you have the uh the carcinogenic effects of it yeah kind of ruins a good thing that we thought was really great but yeah like I said you know have these two different trajectories that all come from the same spot like folk medicine and like the uses of plants which like you said amazingly like thorough throughout the entire world and that's half the reason we're like don't kill the rainforest there's still a bunch of millions of plants and animals that we don't know could be this next thing yeah the the indigenous people that either are there still or used to be there probably know slash knew about it's like yeah you eat the leaf of this very specific tree it's probably gonna solve your you know this thing well said
1: casey that's what i think with that I'd love to get into our review of the sassafras tree.
2: I think we should. I'm gonna pull up an image of the bark so that I can make sure oh, not to wow. not to give it a bad review. Priming
1: the pump. Oh my god. Here's how it works. We'll give some final thoughts and then I give it a squ- <laughs> then I give it a score. That's right. Of zero to ten golden poems of honor for our season four plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. Casey, as our resident expert, will begin. With you.
2: Okay. So here's the thing about the sassafras. I think it's spectacular.
1: Wow. Not
2: to mention, if you look at it during approximately now, it has this really beautiful uh, fall color that goes from like a, a medium yellow to like a very bronzy kind of red. Hmm. Worth it. Sounds cool. So the uh, the fact that this is a tree that is just so like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's the it's the quintessential southern tree because like you would just go oh go dig up some roots and then you get a bunch of roots you make a little tea out of it and you give it off to your friends and everyone's having a great time with the root of this thing i think that's great i love that it was the root also i don't know if we yeah we covered it sarsaparilla root beer that comes from the sassafras initially
1: the root of root beer is the roost the root of a sassafras exactly
2: and i just think that's so fun like it's it's It's. It was so delicious that we now have entire like uh, genres of soda pop that come from it because of you know how cool this plant is. Um, I love that it was like a uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's goop style uh wonder drug back in europe mm. uh, unfortunately probably didn't do very good things but i love i just i love that idea where everyone's like sassafras come get your sassafras and everyone's lining up to you know just get their little dose of it
1: yeah they're putting they're putting drops of safra- sassafras oil into their um into the perfume that they spray on their powdered wig
2: exactly yeah uh so gorgeous um, not to mention I just love that the whole thing is so beautiful like I, the plant's really gorgeous I like how it grows I like its leaves I like that it doesn't go wild and go crazy Yeah, I love the bark so I'm gonna give the Sassafras tree uh, 8.2 8.2 8.2 for a medium tree doing cool stuff not too cool but just cool enough wow it's a high it's a high rating but
1: it is kind of high I'm I, a little yeah, surprised but I that's, just, that's, that's yeah, good I
2: think it's worth it I think it's worth it I think underplanted that's what I want to say wow a Casey clap first so underplanted we should plant 300 more of them everywhere all the time amazing yeah that's, 300 yeah, okay 300 well 300 per square mile oh yeah, maybe, hmm, all right, maybe two square miles.
1: Take this tree out of the south and put it in the north and the northwest and the southwest. It shall take over the world. You know what you should do is you should get on the back of a train car. Yeah. And you should take sassafras seeds mm-hmm. and you should just, like, throw them out like uh like that, that presidential candidate. That's who, brilliant. Who went on the train car.
2: And did that, that one?
1: No, I, he didn't do that, but he, like... To, I think to show he was like a down to earth dude. He was uh, like,
2: "See, look, I ride. Trains. I ride the train
1: too. Yeah, it's wait, not wait. just the beef and you guys."
2: Hold on, that's uh, that's Joe Biden. <laughs> You're talking about Joe Biden. Must have been back when he was just a senator in 1936. Yeah. Yeah, I see.
1: Cool. He's an immortal lizard person. A lot of people <laughs> don't know
2: that. A lot of people don't know that, but a surprising amount do.
1: Yeah, Google a surprising it. Surprising amount do. That's all I'll say. Google it. Like, one, two, three. Google it. Uh, Casey. I have some thoughts on this as far we
2: should get sponsored by Google.
1: No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what are your thoughts, Alex? <laughs> uh,
1: I, to, this isn't a perfect analogy, but i am thinking about it a little bit. You probably saw me glazed over a bit at, at certain points in this episode.
2: No, I didn't. Your eyes were constantly like thoroughly fixed with interest. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's,
1: it's
2: just your, your default so that I, no one ever knows my glaze is yeah. default. Yeah, you, you know see. in The Fantastic Mr Fox when the badger like yes. gets his eyes, yeah. Yeah, okay. uh,
1: yeah, that is me. <laughs> Sometimes when we're talking about trees. <laughs> um I I don't think this is a perfect analogy, but to me the sassafras is a bit like the child actor whose parents saw so much potential in. Oh
2: my god.
1: And they said, "Oh my god, wait, this kid is so charismatic, he's mm-hmm. kind, he's funny." great natural comedic timing let's put him up for auditions okay and the kid is like but 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 and they go shut up uh get out there oh and they put him on the stage and he does the song and dance and everybody fucking loves it and everybody's ecstatic about this child that is big big uh you know big hit yeah okay and then uh the kid you know 12 years later is like okay i never told you guys this i hate performing i'm done yeah and suddenly ruins his reputation but it's really his parents' fault in the first place. They're yeah. the one who put him on a pedestal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see what I'm going with this? I
2: think so, yeah. Uh,
1: forgi- forgive us for the vacuum in the hallway. <laughs> um,
2: it's a part of the, the thing.
1: Yeah. He he ended up vacuuming hallways for... <laughs> oh, here's a sound effect. Um, Casey, I think the Sassafras is both overrated and underrated.
2: <gasps> I don't okay. know where to go
1: with this guy. Oh
2: my god! So I'm
1: gonna kind of go. I'm gonna kind of go somewhere down the middle ish. I'm gonna give it a, just a, 6.0, a six A Pat point on the 0. head, and we're. I'm moving on.
2: Oh god! And you know what? According to your metaphor, as you move on, the sassafras is like. Thank you. That's literally all I want.
1: That's what it wants. Okay. Wants to vacuum always.
2: Wow! Just wants to vacuum always. Just, yeah. just go for your dreams. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, six golden poems of honor, Casey. Wow. Uh, the Sassafras did all right today. You know, I, I think it gets think it a did. big asterisk. I
2: think it totally does. I Honestly, you know what the asterisk is going to be? Huh. Go look at the bark at Hoyt Arboretum on the path that goes down to the Magnolias from uh, wherever it is. I can't even remember. I know, actually, I could literally, if I just started walking right now, I could walk directly there without taking a single wrong turn. Wow. And that's probably like a four-mile walk. That's a ways. But the bark is worth it. Highly recommend it. And go look at those cute little leaves. There you have That's it. That's the asterisk. Make it up for yourself. Your cones are your own. New roots, new shoots. Quercus aeternum.
1: <laughs> Arbitrarypod.com slash merch.
2: That was our review of the Sassafras Tree. Casey, this week we
1: have a guest chef. I will also use the word brewer. Ah. We reached out to John Eads at the Portland Craft Soda Company asking about sassafras and root beer Mm -hmm, these mm -hmm. were in but the before times before we knew the kind of the darker side of the history of this root.
2: which i i have to say i was really excited um i i had i knew a little bit about it obviously doing more research gave it a little more clarity yeah but as soon as you you reached out i was like that would be so perfect and in my heart i was like I ho- I wonder if he actually uses this mm. the way that traditionally it was used, or if there's some alternative or something. And we learned here that there was an alternative also.
1: That's right, Casey. Let's hear what John has to say.
0: This is John Eads. I am the founder of Portland Craft Sodas. We are a Portland-based soda company. Our primary location for selling is at Pyro Pizza, 12th and Hawthorne in Southeast Portland. Portland Craft Soda currently makes two sodas that are in the root beer family. The first one is the quintessential American root beer. This is a soda that was created and popularized in America. The other one is a sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla came to America from other places and was adapted here. You might be familiar with the sarsaparilla because often in old westerns a dusty old cowboy will belly up to the bar and ask for a sarsaparilla. This will often get weird looks from the other patrons at the bar. The American root beer was originally flavored with the roots, leaves, and stems of the sassafras tree. But in the 1960s, the FDA found that the sassafras tree contains sassferol, which is also in a number of other food items, but it was a concern to them because it was shown to cause cancer in rats. It also so happens to be a precursor chemical in the role of the manufacturer of MDMA. So consequently the FDA banned its use in all commercial food products. It's still available on the market if you wanted to try it as a flavor for syrups or sodas, but it's not allowed in the manufacture of commercially available food products. Industry-wide most soda manufacturers have moved to artificial flavoring, but even the natural companies have now moved to artificial flavorings for the root beers because it is so hard to approximate the flavor. For Portland craft sodas, we try to approximate that flavor by using roots and herbs, about 15 different ingredients in order to get a similar flavor, a complex flavor, but um, not the same flavor as the sassafras. We use an Indian sarsaparilla, which is similar to sarsaparilla that is uh, common in the Americas um, as far as flavor goes, but the flavor is more intense for the Indian sarsaparilla. So if you want to create a similar flavor to the sarsaparilla um, in sassafras, you can, you can somewhat approximate that with uh, sarsaparilla. Now, uh, sarsaparilla is uh, commonly available in powdered form or in uh, what the industry calls cuts and sifted. It's just pieces of roots and stems. That then can be used to process into flavors.
2: Wow, Casey! That, I'm so so. First off, uh-huh. as a as a uh, a radio guy, yeah, it sounded like um, he could have been that patron at the bar. Yes, ordering sarsaparilla, <laughs> wearing yeah. a cowboy hat and all of his boots and everything. What a voice! A
1: great voice for radio, John. Uh, thank you so much for that, Casey. What I loved about that whole thing. Was that it was very much sort of an encapsulation of what you and I talked about today. Perfect. But from a food manufacturing perspective, which I thought was fascinating, that you can still buy Saffron. I didn't know that. But you can't use it in commercially made food products. Yes, yeah,
2: so you just have to like do it in like maybe a small batch or something. Or, yeah, I guess uh, so. Just for yourself.
1: Banned by the FDA, but you can still you can yeah. still uh, get down with that at home.
2: Yeah, amazing. And I just love that they uh, um, the the indian sarsaparilla that he talked about and also i've heard it like said several ways sarsaparilla yeah. Which side note one of my favorite bands i think they're in uh they used to be from portland via chicago and mm-hmm. now they're in new orleans look them up sarsaparilla Their older stuff great if you can't see them live and you're down in uh new orleans do that's great anyway also sarsaparilla everyone says sarsaparilla a or S-A-R. S a p a r i l l a.
1: Yeah, it's it's like a that's like a Boston pronunciation of sarsaparilla. Yeah, sarsaparilla. Because you had that R on the yeah. end of a uh, long A. Yeah. Or a, is that a short A? I don't mm, know. I
2: don't know. It's a, it's an A. <clears throat> anyway, it's an A. yeah, that the, the plant he's talking about is a vine. It's called uh, hemidesmus indicus, um, which you can apparently get. So I love it, and the fact that he's like, well, we really want to approximate the flavor. It's impossible to just get the same one but we really want to get that, that really same you know spicy complex flavor of, yeah. of that you know it makes me want to try to do a uh, sassafras my own my own way but also I'm, I'm petrified of, of drinking something that's known to be a carcinogen yeah mm-hmm. and also
1: the fact that they use about 15 or 16 different ingredients to approximate this one Very route.
2: good. Yeah, that's in, that's incredible.
1: That is that is sort of testament to the uh, complex complexity of the, yeah. of the sassafras. Well, there you go. Yeah, our thanks to John Eads. Uh, check out Portland Craft Soda. I've had their soda before. It's delish. It's and, so
2: good. And the, the fact that you would put so much effort into making some delicious soda like that, mm-hmm. man, you gotta give credit.
1: Yeah. I, I love any any craft uh version of anything that's like a mass market thing yeah
2: it totally because it's usually done with so much more passion and and like pointedness you yes know?
1: and healthier usually too yeah, that's true uh check out portlandcraftsoda.com or like go eat it there uh, go eat at that food cart pod and yeah, get yourself some uh
2: Get yourself some some soda. Last bit. If you do, uh, if you are a purveyor of uh, sass or sarsaparilla, then mm. uh, yeah, let us know what the flavor's like. Let us know how it works for you. Yeah. Very curious. I kind of just want to go dig up the roots of one just to give it a smell, you know, and just see what it's like.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Don't tell the arboretum I'm going there tomorrow.
1: <laughs> you show up with a knife.
2: <laughs> Casey, what are you doing? How could you?
1: Casey, it's time for our completely arbitrary Q and A. I chose this question because it's something that we hear a lot. Uh Deco. Well, you'll see. You'll see.
2: Yeah, let's see. What do we got?
1: It's from Andrew Takash. Hey,
2: Andrew. Or Takach. Ah, I like um, uh, I like <laughs>
1: he, Andrew also puts in in parenthetical next to his name. Good luck with that. I just saw that.
2: <laughs> nice. I uh, love it. <laughs> he's actually he's gonna like send us a voicemail and be like, it's tie Thai. Yeah, it's like, Andro. Yeah. Dude, yeah, he's good. Hey, Casey and Alex.
1: Bonjour. My wife and I recently purchased some land, and we're looking to build a home on the property in the next couple months. Okay. The area is almost entirely wooded, and ah. we would need to remove some trees. Mm-hmm. We want to keep the oldest, healthiest, and adjust the location of the house accordingly. Oh, beautiful what kind of company slash person should we reach out to locally to help us choose which trees to design around thanks for your help casey oh my god i chose this question because it is a poster child for like 50 percent of the questions we get yes which are who do i talk to about this 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 excellent uh casey i thought you would enjoy answering this question Please
2: have at it. Yes, if you're in Portland, Oregon, uh, contact arborist Casey Clapp at uh, <laughs> Casey at arbitrarypod.com. Hell yeah! Now I'm just kidding. That's uh, the perfect person is a consulting arborist. Consulting arborist. Yes, um, and the there's there's lots of them out there. They're all over the United States, or just an arborist who does tree preservation plans. Okay. Um, so as we've talked about before, arborists are a really broad, broad spectrum of, of workers. Some are, um, they just go up, they climb trees, they prune them, they remove them, they do that kind of work. Mm. Um, Some will do tree risk assessments and they'll say, okay, this tree is really good, really bad, or okay, and here's how we're going to mitigate this risk based on some criteria set of parameters. Others will do that, but then everything else has to do with the tree where they're consulting where... You could say, "Is my tree sick?" They'll give you an answer. Is you know, can I protect this tree? Can I do this? Can I do that? How could I do this if I wanted to do it? Like yeah. this question, um, and the answer is a professional consulting arborist. Um, ideally, minimum qualification; they should be a certified arborist. Okay. The other minimum uh, through the International Society of Arboriculture, the ISA. Or, exactly, that's the one. Or if you're in Massachusetts, they also have the Massachusetts Certified Arborist. That's also a pretty pretty good program. Um, so the second thing is that you want someone who's got some experience, um, and specifically experience in tree preservation plans. Hmm. And what's important about that is that there are, unfortunately, there are good arborists and there are not so good arborists. Some, they just want to get the job. And those are like the tree care companies that, are like the ones where when you see the picture of them, all they're doing is like a bunch of, you know, bunch of folks like showing off their chainsaws and how big the trees are that they're cutting down as opposed to the companies that like, say we're a tree preservation company and they show people hanging in a tree doing pruning, you know? Right. And it's just that visual difference where it's like, yeah, Mm. we cut down trees bigger, the better we're hardcore. Um, and we're just, that's what they want to do. They want to do it as quickly and easily as coolly as possible.
1: That's very interesting.
2: Yeah, and so if you're in the industry, you can kind of tell the difference between the two. Um, you can start getting a feel at least. Um, but some will say, "Oh, we'll give you free estimates," or "We'll, you know, we'll give you free consultations." That's really just saying we'll come out and look at your property and we'll sell you the job, right? You know, as a as opposed to someone who says, "We will, we do consulting," where we will come out and we will write a report and answer your questions. Okay, in this report. So if you're building a house, you have a lot to think about. Real quick, how are you gonna? To access it, what uh, trees need to come out, and then what trees are going to be impacted that you're going to keep around. Mm-hmm. So if you build a a house that's, let's say, 40 by 40 square, I don't know what, it doesn't matter. Just, you know, you have a 40 by 40 square house. You have to build the foundation. You then have to put a roof. The roof is going to extend a certain distance out from that foundation. You're going to need X amount of area around that foundation to walk and to move. You may have to put a garage over here. You may have to have a a driveway access. And the tree roots of all the trees around that you're keeping extend out uh, horizontally. They don't go down. They go out. So the longer or the closer you get to a tree, the more impact you're going to get. Some people say, yeah, just, just cut all these trees down and put it right here. That ends up cutting a bunch of significant roots for the rest of the tree. You're also causing a new edge inside of the forested area where there used to not be edges. There used to be one full canopy, right? Interesting. So you want to say, okay, let's A, take the the healthy species and the ones that will do the best at surviving this. Coincidentally, the smaller the tree, the easier it is because their root zone is smaller and they can bounce back from disturbance a little easier. Hmm. Whereas if you say, I want to save this big, gigantic, massive tree and we're going to build our house... 10 feet from it, eh, it may survive because it has such a good base and foundation, but you also might just kill a really big tree and work really hard. The consulting arborist will be the person to ask. I'd like to get
1: even almost comically granular with this process. okay. Are we Googling consulting arborist in... Uh Enter city? Yes. Okay. That would be the best way to do it. And you just see like ratings, like Yelp ratings or Google ratings? Yeah, you
2: can see that a lot of times. Most of the time you're going to see ads for um, arborist companies that say, yeah, we'll cut down your tree. Sure. Skip through the ads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's any Google search. Yeah, and then find that. But you can also look on um, the ASCA website, which is American... uh, American Society of Consulting Arborists, ASCA?
1: At, yes. Okay. You
2: can get on their website and you can look for a consulting arborist who has that uh, certification. That's great. Um, or has qualifications through them. Um, you can also look on um, the ISA's website and mm. say um, and find a. Um, Uh, someone who is a who does consulting or who is a certified arborist near you find their company and then look through their company and see does this company look like a bunch of guys that just want to cut down trees or does it look like a bunch of people who are really looking to maintain trees and they will give you the best advice if they actively say we try to preserve trees they would be the the people to call in my opinion
1: i love that distinction of like what photo do they use to promote their company
2: if there's a couple photos of them doing big work that's great but, yeah, but yeah, if you,
1: that's their brand, like we're hardcore lumberjacks, yeah, you know, that's that's probably a good warning sign. It's
2: probably a good warning sign, yeah. And um, the if they have experience writing reports, that's really the big one. Like for the city of Portland, you need a report written. Mm. If they just don't know what they're doing, like if, if they have no clue how, how close can you get to a tree without destroying all the roots, what species of trees are... Are, is each one because different species, A, would be less likely or more likely to withstand these impacts. Um, some species will just die immediately and then f- start to decay and fall over. Um, if they can't tell the difference between a cottonwood and an aspen, then that could be a big deal. But usually there's not going to be the same in the same spot. But, yeah, if if they have to identify – if they can't identify the trees, this is one of the big things. If you're talking to someone, random person, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, I'm an arborist, and you're like, oh, cool, you know, you had some drinks, you're a little swilly. You're like, oh, well, Mr. Arborist, what's the, what's that tree over there? In my opinion, which is probably way biased – People who like claim to be, you know, tree people, um, professionally, and someone like it's the first question that usually comes up. It's like, oh, well, what's that tree? Oh, I really have a tree that I want. You could you tell me what this tree is? Yeah. And if they can't identify that tree, a part of me is like, oh I man, go start at square one. Wow. You know, you're working with pipes. You at least know the size and diameters of these pipes. Like you know, learn the learn to work with the thing that you're working with. Interesting i like i said am biased but i think that's the first step in diagnostics and knowing anything i think
1: that's perfectly
2: fair yeah so you walk out into this property and if that arborist is like oh yeah well you can do this you can do this and they don't even identify the trees or if they identify them all wrong it's like man you're 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 making a bunch of decisions off already faulty ground yeah so someone who has the experience who knows what they're talking about the certification is the first step board certified master arborist is the next step not necessary at all it's just like the next level up you know you know, it's another way for the company or the uh, ISA to kind of make money, and eh, for better or for worse. But the more experience and someone who can look at your trees with a very discernible eye and tell you here is the best way to do it. Move your house away and shift it around because you can have a million different sizes and shapes of houses. It has to follow certain code requirements in a lot of places, but honestly, have fun with it. And the more I don't necessarily recommend cutting your house out around a tree or something like that because inevitably you kind of kill the tree mm. and then you just wasted a bunch of time, effort, space design for something that's just going to die in 10 years anyway because the roots are so compromised. Anyway, I could go on. Yeah. But essentially... Um, Yes, Google consulting arborist in your area. Um, have a couple people come out, and if they will, if they understand what you're saying, and they're th- very thorough with it, um, saying, "Yeah, okay, let me let let's figure this out," and they measure things and they walk it with you, and they say, "Well, if you shift it over here, that's the kind of conversation that you want to be having," as opposed to someone who says, "Oh no, these are all dangerous. You can't you can't do that. That's that's just irresponsible. They don't know what they're talking about because that's just certainly not the case."
1: Sweet. Thank you so much for your question, Andrew. If you have a question for Casey about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. What's up?
2: I'm just so excited that, they, that people are like, hey, I want to build this house and retain these trees. How oh. can I do this? It's just it's so refreshing. It's Alex. great. My, well, while working at the city, most of the time I was working with developers who were like, hey, all these trees need to come out. Right, and then you had to fight that battle against them. They'd hire one of these less than uh, savory arborists and then all of a sudden they'd say, yeah, here's the arborist report, it says every tree's dangerous. And it's just like, you shake your head. People
1: looking for a quick, easy solution. Exactly, and yeah. that
2: easy solution is what's got us in this climate crisis to begin with oh, and boy. it has changed our entire way to look at it. Sorry, Alex, I'll, that, I'll No, stop that's there. a good,
1: <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. I just didn't want to tip yeah. you off on that.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Well, a, a topic for another time. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'll, I'm, just, I'm stoked that this question came up because it's one that's very very close and personal to my heart
1: yes i thought you might like it anyway uh follow us on instagram at arbitrary pod that's a-r-b-o-r-t-r-a-r-y pod or support the podcast and keep this motor running patreon.com slash arbitrary pod you can subscribe there for five or ten bucks a month become a part of the arboretum two bonus episodes every single month about other related topics and trees Or join the Cone of the Month Club and get a unique die-cut cone sticker illustrated by an independent artist every single month in your mailbox. Casey Clapp.
2: Alex Can you believe
1: we've done it again?
2: Spectacular. Every time it gets done, I'm always just like, wow,
1: wow. This week, I do definitely feel that way. This was a
2: big week for us, yeah. Yeah,
1: we recorded recorded, uh, many episodes this week. Mm -hmm. It's finally over. We
2: finally did it. Congratulations.
1: (laughs) Congratulations to you, too, and congratulations to you for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
2: Over. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp.
1: Our artwork is by Gillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals.
2: And you can support the podcast at patreon.com arbitrarypod.
1: And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com.
2: Thanks for listening.